Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with us to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Those words from the great Christmas carol, Hark the, the Herald Angels Sing, they express profound joy that our God has become one of us. That the eternal word that has existed before time began has become incarnate. Literally the name of our parish. And those lines from that carol and that idea of the word becoming flesh are really the central story of the Christian faith. That our God became man. That our God took on flesh and took on our human condition. And in doing so, the great glory of God that we cannot even fully imagine, that we can't even comprehend with our human eyes, is made accessible to us. Our God veils his divinity. He veils sort of his divine presence, his divine likeness. He veils it in our human nature to become accessible, approachable, and lovable in a more concrete way. Anytime that God interacts with us, brothers and sisters, there is always a descent that takes place. After all, God is infinite. He is all-powerful. Anytime that we interact with him, he is very much looking down to us, and we are looking up to him. But at Christmas, at the nativity that we celebrate this night, God initiates a very unique descent it is a time where God did not just stay where he is and talk down to us. He gets off of his throne, so to speak, and comes to meet us. He descends to earth in the womb of our blessed mother, Mary. And by doing so, our God descends into humanity itself. Because Jesus would experience everything about being a human person, except, of course, sin. And further, Jesus would descend not just into what it means to be a human being, he would descend into death itself, to the tomb and into hell, to the depths of human misery. Our God freely debased himself and descended into all of it. It begins in the poverty in the manger and goes all the way to the abandonment at Calvary. And God the Father knew that the nativity, that his coming into the world at Christmas, was a one-time event. And it would be hard for us human beings to wrap our heads 2,000 years later around the idea that God who created the heavens and the earth could possibly descend and become a human being, to become a little child. It's hard for us to grasp, again, 2,000 years or so after the fact. So our God becomes incarnate for us and becomes flesh for us again, frequently in fact. But he does so in an altogether different way. He does so, brothers and sisters, in the Holy Eucharist. At each and every Mass that we attend, our God descends once again from heaven to earth, just as he does in the manger in Bethlehem. The word becomes incarnate. God takes on flesh once again at every Mass to be truly present 
to be God with us. The Eucharist that we celebrate today, brothers and sisters, cannot happen without the nativity, without Christmas. Because as a priest, I can't say those words, this is my body. But I'll say in just a few minutes, I cannot say those words. They mean nothing if God hasn't first become a human being, if he didn't have a body in the first place. Because God never had a body until he became a human being at Christmas, which we celebrate today. So those words, this is my body, that we will say in a few minutes, would ring very hollow. I couldn't say them with a straight face if God hadn't first taken on a body and become a human being like us. And so this is the flesh of Jesus. This is his blood, his body, that we behold. We see and behold with our own eyes the same God that the shepherds adored, that the wise men journeyed to worship. In this Mass and in every Mass, brothers and sisters, our God descends once again to us. He comes to us in bread brought down by the sacred weight of divine love. We often say that at every Mass we are at the foot of Calvary, and that is very true. But also at every Mass we are at the threshold of the manger. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. That is the cry of everyone who went and venerated the Christ child. And it is the longing and the prayer of everyone who comes to him before the altar. After all, in the angels of God tonight saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace to people of goodwill to the shepherds. We, of course, sang those same words at the beginning of Mass this evening. And when we kneel down before Jesus in Holy Communion, we act with that same act of reverence of all those who venerated the Christ child in Bethlehem. And if Jesus himself were to walk through the doors of this church, we would do the exact same. And further, we look at Christ in the manger. It's where he first appeared. That's where he first came. The manger was the place where the animals would receive their food. The oxen, the donkeys, and the sheep. That is where our Lord was first placed when he entered into this world. And how fitting it is that he would be the one to provide us with food that we need for the spiritual journey of life. There is such a beautiful connection, brothers and sisters, between Christmas and the Eucharist, between the Nativity and Mass. Because in many ways, the Eucharist extends and prolongs the incarnation. It extends and prolongs God becoming man, God taking on flesh. It is the natural extension of what God did 2,000 years ago that is made present for us each and every time we come before him at the altar. Again, there's this beautiful connection between the Eucharist and the Nativity. But I think if we were honest, we know that we probably put more effort more emotional investment, more time, and more focus toward Christmas than the Eucharist. It's not a bad thing that we prepare for Christmas, sure. We certainly get a little bit hyped up about this time of year when the Word became incarnate. We cannot let that be to the detriment of the other incarnations, so to speak, that happens each day and each week that we come here for Holy Mass. 
Because those words of Hark the Herald Angels Sing apply to the Eucharist just as much as the newborn king. Veiled in flesh, our Godhead see. We see the God of the universe in the Eucharist. Veiled not with human flesh, but veiled under the appearances of bread and wine. We hail the incarnate deity. We hail the one who is present, who was made flesh. And he is pleased to dwell with us. He dwells in our tabernacles each day. And he dwells in our hearts as well. Brothers and sisters, tonight we are given a greater privilege than the shepherds who venerated the manger. To not just behold our God with our eyes, but to receive him into our hearts and into our souls. This is a privilege not just reserved for us tonight, but at each and every Mass. At every Mass we not only behold, but we receive the incarnate word, the one who came down from heaven. And we are allowed in our state of grace to not just have him dwell with us as man, but to truly be our food and spiritual nourishment. It's why each and every day of the year, with the exception of Good Friday, we have Mass here in church. Why we go regularly. and Why it's the most important thing that you and I could ever do on this earth. This year, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us to rekindle our love for Jesus in the Eucharist. To return to the manger to return to the altar frequently. If we knew that Jesus was truly here in the manger, we would go to him every day. We would go to him quite regularly. And, we, and he is truly here in our tabernacles. That's why we should go there too. And our God wants to descend once again into our worlds, into our human condition, and into our own hearts tonight. So where do we need him to descend to in our lives? What are the miseries that we have that need to be healed by the Eucharistic presence of Jesus? So let us tonight behold our newborn King, veiled in our humanity, and hail the Word that has become incarnate, who is pleased to dwell with us as Emmanuel, and who in the Eucharist is truly God with us.